Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Tim Franz about how mutual accountability for results, mutual support, and mutual concern for team members' well-being impacts achievement. Tim Franz, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me on, John. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you today. I'm super excited to have a nice conversation with you. We're going to be talking about your recent book and focusing in on how we can be mutually accountable for results in providing support for our people and showing mutual concern for team members' well-being and how that all impacts achievement, individual achievement, achievement within our teams, achievement within the firm. As we get started, I wanted to share Tim's bio with everybody. Dr. Tim Franz is an organizational psychologist, professor of psychology, and chair at St. John Fisher College. In addition to his academic role, he also works as an organizational consultant through his firm, Franz Consulting. And I, I just want to say, I'll give you a, a chance here in just a moment to share anything else that you would like about yourself. I love your background, your bio, your scholar practitioner orientation. That's something that I strive for as well. I'm also a professor uh, and chair of organizational leadership at my university and, uh, and do consulting work on the side. And so I think we're, we're kindred spirits in what we're doing and trying to focus our, our life's work on. I, uh, I was looking at your background and I would agree we're kindred spirits here, John. I, I appreciate the overlap. Uh, professing, consulting, focusing on organizational improvement, really my area, team development. And I will say that Seth and I have this great relationship, and I think you'll appreciate this, Seth, my co-author. I am a professor who consults. This is always our little joke, our shtick, so to speak. And Seth is a consultant who professes. So uh, Seth and I have worked together for years on professing, consulting, authoring, and just generally uh, being friends together. So um, really looking forward to this conversation because I think this need for meaningful partnership at work is so powerful, especially today. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, your, your book really struck me. And, and when you sent over kind of prep materials for this episode and we were getting ready uh, for this, you know, I, I was struck by this mutual accountability component and how that can help us drive higher impact uh, achievements uh, within our organizations. And I, I, you know, people who listen to the podcast regularly probably hear me ad nauseum repeat the importance of, of developing a, a safe culture of mutual, mutual accountability and trust within your team, <laughs> how, how essential that is. And that's really at the crux 
of everything that you talk about in your book uh, and that I think we're really going to unpack today uh, more than kind of a passing comment that I make here and there about the need for mutual accountability and trust. Um, so as we get started, um, why don't you lay out for us the really the, the crux behind and the impetus for the book, uh, why you felt like it needed to be written, uh, and then we can start to dissect it and dive into these components around uh, mutual accountability, mutual support, and mutual concern for team members. Perfect. So Seth and I come at this from different perspectives. <clears throat> Seth's an expert in leadership. I'm an expert in teams. And we have a lot of overlap, but this book is not a leadership development book that says, wagging the finger off, and you leaders, you need to do these 37 things to be better leaders. And it's not a team development book that says that the teams, you need to do all these things to be better leaders. It's actually that space in between, in between the leader and the team. And it gets at that mutual accountability. And I will admit that when we first started writing this book, we started writing it from the perspective of an organization development intervention, that the whole goal was to show people how to develop this. And as we wrote, and I'm, I'm sure you've had this experience before too, as we wrote, we realized the book was about something different. It was about becoming meaningful partners with the people with whom you work, that space in between, trying to hold each other mutually accountable. And the impetus for writing this really comes from, and I'm going to give Seth credit, uh, this is his idea, the background idea. He started telling me about it, I think, back in 2007. And as an academic, of course, I said, we have to do research about this, and which we have. It's in the book. We detail it all in there. Uh, but uh, he started talking about this, and I was really excited because it really gets at a two-way focus on making implicit expectations explicit instead of this idea of a leader of a team saying, I wish my team would communicate more. I wish my team would follow up. I wish my team would come to meetings prepared on and on. I wish, I wish, I wish. And similarly, team members say the same thing. I wish my uh, manager would help us to learn new things. I wish my manager would spend more time giving me direction and vision for where we're going. I wish, I wish, I wish. And these unmet implicit wishes are really what causes dissatisfaction, disengagement, despair, and then departure in so many organizations. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And so, and, and for me, it comes back to this notion of trust. Um, and it's not because like trust gets eroded in teams and within organizations for so many reasons. Uh, and in my experience, usually it's not anyone's intention to undermine trust or, you know, to, to do something negative or to hurt the people around them. The, the leader, the manager wants to be good for their people, the people want to be good for their manager and for their team. Uh, but it comes back to this lack of effective communication uh, and people in, in consistent but small but consistent ways kind of un erode and undermine 
that kind of a trust through these implicit types of expectations like you were discussing uh, and just the incapability of being able to really be super explicit, super clear and having those, those straightforward conversations when those expectations aren't met. And, be, and then we start to fill in the gaps. We, we, something doesn't happen the way we expect it to. And then we make assumptions about the person's motives and then it spirals. And then all of a sudden, you know, the person's a horrible person. They're a terrible boss. We hate being here. And now we're looking for a job or, you know, whatever, right. Th- th- that kind of a, a scenario plays out over and over and over again uh, in organizations all across the world. And it's not necessary. Like we can get past that uh, if we get to uh, a point where we recognize our mutual accountability to each other. Me as a leader, absolutely. Do I need to try to be as clear as possible? Yes. Do I need to support my people? Yes. Um, But it's also the responsibility of my people to provide support for each other and to come, excuse me, come ask me questions when they have questions, seek clarification when they need clarification. And, and as we can create that kind of a culture, then we're going to be in a position to really navigate the, those human experiences that we have when we just fall short, when we fail to meet expectations, when we do something, we put our foot in our mouth, we do something that undermines that trust. Absolutely. And trust is such an interesting concept because with trust, there's this, when I describe trust, I use the the old Covey way or Bob Whipple's method, the bank account of trust. You know, you have to put deposits in that trust bank account. And then at times you may intentionally or usually unintentionally make withdrawals. But the problem with trust is that the deposits are small. It's not like money. You put in $10, you get out $10 with trust. Your deposits are small and take a lot of time to build. But one mistake, one screw up, one unintentional conflict and due to these unmet expectations and that erodes so much, it withdraws so many of those deposits. And it doesn't take a lot of withdrawals to get rid of a lot of many, many weeks, months, years sometimes of deposits. And so our idea is that we need to get to this place of meaningful partnership. Meaningful partnership is this elevated state of connection and cohesion uh, where people are coordinating, collaborating, where, as you're talking about, John, both partners in a relationship, the team and the leader, our model, are fully supported and able to achieve. Both parties in the relationship feel accountable for the success of the relationship. It's not just about feeling good. It's about being successful. It's supporting each other at work so that everybody can be successful. And we get there through this routine exchange of appreciation and feedback that moves feedback from this once a year, top-down negative process to an ongoing, easy conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So we have those ongoing conversations. Um, We can kind of short circuit the, the types of frustrations that often manifest over time as, as things don't, you know, the, the the unspoken frustrations that, that fester and, and build up over time. Uh, so we can just stay on top of those things. Now, part of this whole mutual accountability uh, element that we've been discussing 
then feeds into these next two components, the mutual support and the mutual concern. Um, let's talk next about mutual support. Uh, if, if I am trying to, uh, if, if there is mutual accountability uh, for results, then I think fundamentally there has to be mutual support uh, to be able to achieve those results. Nobody wants to be held accountable uh, to achieve something when there's really no possible way for them to be able to do it. They don't have the, the training, they don't have the materials, they don't have the equipment, they don't have the resources, whatever. So there has to be support, but we need, to, it, it can't just be expected that, um, you know, our leader gives us everything. Uh, certainly our, our organization and its leadership needs to provide support, but we need to su- provide support to each other on our team, uh, we need as individuals of the team, members of the team, we need to provide support back to our leader. Uh, so how, how do we go about recognizing that and, and putting that into practice? I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. That's a great question. And I think you're getting at the heart of that space in between that we've been talking about, this idea that it's not just the the leader, it's not just the team, but it's that mutual support. So one way to try to build that meaningful partnership, what we recommend is a process that we call a workplace covenant. This is one way it works really well. We provide evidence in the book. Um, It's not the only way, but it's a way that creates a psychologically safe environment and is a relationship building process that creates support and success for the leader and the team to get them all on the same page, working together, rowing in the same direction in that canoe. And with a workplace covenant, the idea is you have a leader sit down, team manager, team supervisor, whatever it is, and they start off by listing their obligations to their team so that their team can feel supported at work and be successful. At the same time, that team leader writes down five to seven expectations they have of the team. And of course, leaders do this working alone. 
Now the team similarly does the same thing, but all working together. And the team lists first their six to eight key obligations to the team leader so that the leader can feel supported and can be successful. And then they, like the leader does, list their five to seven expectations of the team leader. And then through the process of the workplace covenant, and covenant in our term doesn't have a religious connotation. We're not saying there's a, some underlying, underlying religion to it. We use this term covenant to show the obligatory weight of a commitment that you've made. Um, more than just a plain old contract, it's not legal. More than simple, simply a promise. We see so many people breaking promises these days all over. So um, we call it the covenant because of that. And so through the workplace covenant process, the leader starts out and talks about these obligations they have to the team. And then the team, and again, it's done in a psychologically safe way because the team can do this as the team has these expectations and the lists are then merged. So the, usually the lists, the manager's uh, expect uh, or obligation list and the team's expectation list are 70% overlapping. But sometimes the team may say, well, we really need you to be around more, to talk to us more on a daily basis. And the leader didn't realize that. And so the expectations get merged into the obligation list and the team leader signs that list and has a covenant to the team. Now, the same thing happens with the team. The team talks about their obligations. The leader talks about their expectations. The lists are merged. All the team members sign that list of obligations. And then what my favorite thing is about this process is it's not a one-shot deal. It's not a, let's put these lists together and put them in a drawer and never visit them again. We have these lists to each other. We should talk about um, how, or we will uh, provide information uh, about the agenda for team meetings 24 hours ahead of time. Very behavioral. And with that information, we can go back and measure how we're doing. And we can, in one-to-ones or in team meetings or in annual performance reviews, we can pull out that covenant and look at it and say, how are we doing? Good? Okay. Not so good. And it gives us a way to, a structured way to have a conversation about where we all can improve so that we can all be successful at work. And that's the goal of the covenant. And now we recommend formal reviews every two to three months. Um, usually at first, these are done by an outside facilitator. And by the way, in our book, we give away the whole process. We're not hiding it. The whole process is laid out in the book. So you can follow it if you want to. Um, but uh, we, we suggest starting with an outside facilitator. And then, like any good organization development intervention, um, the outside facilitator works themselves away. So by the third covenant review, it should be the team and the team leader doing this 10 minutes at the beginning of a team meeting once a month, once every other month, not a lot of time. And in fact, uh, Seth's original client for this now revisits this still. He's, by the way, 
the president of a tech company that you would know. Um, he's president of the U.S. and Puerto Rico division, so in charge of uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Still does it with his leadership team. Two minutes. Quick conversation. Everybody knows where they stand. They know where they can improve. It's no threat. It's no concern. It creates that accountability for how we work together and everybody can be successful. And that president actually attributes the success of his organization and himself to the workplace covenant that he's been doing for 15 years. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And I love the idea of a workplace covenant, just the gravitas to that, that it it, it really uh, focuses on the importance of this mutual agreement, this mutual accountability. And you've, you've talked about this uh, workplace covenant, how that really creates the mutual support. Um, Let's talk a little bit more before we close today about mutual concern for team members well-being. Uh, You know, we live in a time and a place with a lot of social and political unrest. Uh, There's health issues with COVID and other health concerns. Uh, It's it's a tumultuous, difficult, challenging time for sure. Uh, So how can we develop that kind of mutual concern for our team members' well-being so that we everyone is psychologically healthy, physically, emotionally healthy, so they can bring their best self to work and produce and, and perform and help everyone achieve. Our idea is that, well, to lay it out, we have a mindset, a model, and a medium. The mindset is getting to this meaningful partnership. Our, our model, and I think this is the heart of what you're getting at, John, is ERTAP, an acronym. Empathy, respect, trust, alignment, moving to that sense of partnership. And the Workplace Covenant helps to build that work together by increasing empathy so that everybody has a profound appreciation for the perspective of the others on their team, understanding their challenges and how they feel and what's important. And then people have um, also this respect for one another, where each person, the leader, the team, all the team members are seen as valid and legitimate partners who deserve the rights we would expect of ourselves and somebody where we should cooperate with them in our job. And then finally, this heart of it, the trust, really means that we have this high confidence in what other people at work do, uh, that I won't speak ill of others on my team and they won't speak ill of me and we'll work together to continue to develop this work that we're doing. And this leads to that state of alignment where everybody is on the same page and moving in the same direction. And so working through processes like a workplace covenant can build this empathy, respect, trust, alignment and move a team and a leader in a team or within a team towards this goal of meaningful partnership. Now, we lay this out as a linear process and it's certainly not. It's not rigid because these things are mutually reinforcing. As we build more trust, of course, we have more empathy. As we have more empathy, we become more aligned. Um, It's not so rigid as I originally discussed. But yes, there is this sequential nature, but 
it's an, uh, a system where changing any one of these helps to improve the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, Tim. It has just been a real pleasure. I note the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners, how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your book, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Well, thank you. Um, first of all, uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn, um, on my LinkedIn page. It's Tim Franz consulting. I think there are some, uh, dashes in there or something like that, but um, you'll see my uh, my work from St. Sean Fisher on there, as well as my uh, consulting work and writing uh, that I keep on LinkedIn. Second, I have a website that, of course, I maintain it, so it doesn't get updated nearly so much as it should, but that's called teambuildingprocess.com, and through LinkedIn or through my website, you can get my email, and of course, because I'm full-time, a college professor at St. John Fisher, it's really easy to find my email online. Um, so Tim Franz, uh, and if you look at St. John Fisher College in Rochester, New York, it's easy to find contact information for me. And the last word is really in this time today, as I jokingly got to say to John, currently at home in quarantine uh, here in my household, there's this additional sense of alienation and isolation that many people felt before this pandemic, but people are feeling even more now. Developing meaningful partnership at work can really improve people's behavior, people's success in the workplace. Well said, Tim. It has just been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Tim and his team can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. 
We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.